Well, it's a blessing to be back with my family here. That's how I feel when I come. So you're going to make me cry. And I've got my wife with me this time, and uh, I think I've been here a couple times without her, and now she's back with me, and it's just our responsibilities. We were conflicted in too many things going on. So, uh, But now she's back, and it was a great uh, joy to have Pastor Amanda with us last week, too, and Amy from, and Adam, wherever Adam is at. He showed up, too. I was like, am I in the right place? This is my house, but I feel like I've got faces that I go see, and they're here, and it was just a joy to have them with us, and um, we did a conference called Revealing the Light, and uh, we've done a conference, uh, we've got a conference coming up called Revealing the Sound, and then we're going to do a final conference at the end of this year called Revealing the Throne. So God has got us on a progressive pathway this year of what we are revealing or feel like he's wanting to reveal. And so I come today with basically saying, I'm coming to reveal the light to you. I'm coming out of a conference where uh, we, there was a portal that opened in the middle of the, of the floor in the last afternoon. We had two frequencies of sound in this conference. That was on Friday night and Saturday, there was two frequencies of sound where we reached uh, a single harmonious singing of the, the sound that's in our spirit. Uh, it was beyond, it was tongues, but yet not tongues. It was, it was just this DNA of just rising up of that spiritual song that you're carrying. And in that moment, the Lord said, you have to do this next conference will be a conference to release the sound in a greater way. And so I'm looking at calling in some master musicians and just some people to help us facilitate that and to just push that envelope open. And, uh, and this last conference was about releasing the light. And, and I know you have the meetings coming up with uh, Todd White in this region. I know you have, uh, I've been here several times now. And the last time I was here, I talked about realms and I talked about the, the realms of God and entering into those realms. And I feel like I have something for you as a, as, a, as a body that's sitting here in this congregation, this gathering of people. But I also feel I have something for the region as well. I feel like I have like a dual overlapping thing that's happening. And so I want to talk about re- releasing um, light that comes to release spiritual blindness. And that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to press into tonight. And I'm going to uh, I see these three things of, uh, of light, uh, the realms, and the throne. And um, I've talked about realms before. I'm going to talk about light tonight. Maybe when I come back, I'll talk about throne. But we are really, we are really in a moment of time where God is really bringing us into a, a new place, a new, a new dimension of understanding. And... Tonight, there's frequencies of heaven. Tonight, we were capturing frequencies of heaven. And actually, a lot of those frequencies could even be like light in the room that was going out. I saw like the sea of glass tonight. And like the light of God or the sounds of God was hitting the sea and reflecting. And it was penetrating through and bringing those sounds and frequencies of heaven through the sea and coming down into the earth. And sometimes light reflects and sometimes it radiates and sometimes there's a frequency and we like these 
you know, the lights are on in the room, but there was a, there's something that you don't see that was coming down a pipeline, and then it hits that filament, and finally we see the light that's in the room. And the reality of it is you're all like the filaments, and you're all capturing frequency of heaven. You're capturing these light ray, uh, rays of God that are coming, and he's wanting you to realize that you are the light to the world around you. You are the light that everyone is looking for. And many times we have so many things going on in our lives that we lose track of the role of what we are to God or the role that we play with God in, in his scheme of things. And so um, I start looking at this and I started to go back to Genesis, of course. We go back to the beginning and we see where God created the light out of the darkness. It was as if the light was already present in the darkness and he needed to call it forth and call it out. And Genesis opens up with two things and Revelation closes with two things. Genesis opens up with a tree in the garden and it opens up with a light. And Revelation ends with a tree in the garden and Christ as the light. And the theme is through the entire scripture. So over 200 times in the Bible, men had encounters with light. And when the light encounter they had, it forever changed them. You think of last week we had Pentecost and we were all celebrating Pentecost and that, and that fire that fell. And many times we look at that fire like an orange fire. And as I've started really looking at it, it was actually like a white flame that was burning on them. We look at it as an orange, an orange color because that's how we distinguish natural fire. But when you start looking at the fire of God or the light of God, the light of God and the fire of God and the glory of God all become almost interchangeable. And so the glory of God is like a white, a white burning. It's, a, it's that Shekinah glory. It's that presence glory. It's that, it's that glory that illuminates. So you look at like, go back to Moses, you look at Moses with the burning bush and the burning bush experience that he had. And in this season, what's happening is we are all turning aside to see something. Something has captured all of our attention for you to come here on a Friday night. Something has captured you in the last few weeks or something has captured you in the last few months. And as you turn aside, you're seeing something that is not natural. You're looking for something that's supernatural. You're looking for something that is beyond your understanding. And the world is looking in this hour too. They're saying, where is that place I can go to find that thing that will satisfy the longing of my soul? And you're setting in a community that's looking for that as well. And so we see Moses saying, I must turn aside and see this, this bush that burns but is not consumed. And what the Lord began showing me is that you are that burning bush. You are to be lit with the fire of God, the light of God, the glory of God to such a degree that you are, you are burning but not consumed, but you're gathering the attention of everybody. And from that bush, the voice of God speaks. And from your life, the voice of God uses your voice to speak out into the world. And it's as if what I see last week is a parallel of Pentecost with the parallel of the burning bush. And at Pentecost, they became that burning bush and they became the bush that let go the voice of God when they came out of that upper room. 
and the world was forever changed. And we're in that moment of time where I believe God wants to baptize us with a fire. He wants to baptize us with a burning inside of us, a passion that cannot be quenched, a zeal that just consumes us to the point that everything in our life has been consumed in that fire. About four years ago, I had a a vision. The Lord took me into a vision of a fire, of just a blazing, white, flaming pillar of fire that was just ascending into the heavens. And it was like it was ascending into hell. And he said this to me. He said, the very fire that will take you to heaven will, can also be the very fire that could take you to hell. And I'm like, what does that mean, God? He said, the question is, can your life pass through the flame? Or does the flame burn up your life and there's nothing remain? It was very sobering because it's like we all think, oh, I'm in good shape. I'm, I've got everything where it needs to be. But how does God view your life? Is your life like a living flame? Because he says that the, the light is the life. And the life is the light. And so he starts, to de- he starts to determine how bright is your life or how bright is your light. And the church's light needs to be very bright in this hour. Darkness is trying to press in. Darkness is trying to overtake areas where light is being diminished. And yet here we are carrying a light that is beyond all lights. You all kind of following? Are you happy or sad or are you wondering? You okay? I haven't even got started yet. This is for free. This part's for free. So maybe I should get going here. So that first light in Genesis 1-3, he said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was no denying that there was not light. Light became light when God decided he wanted some light. And the light came out of the darkness. And when you look at that in the, some of the original language, it actually means that order came out of chaos. That there was a, God started to bring some alignment and some structure and some things into being that had not been seen before. But God was doing that in a way that was not like optional, it was confrontational. You see, when light starts to emerge, there's confrontation with the darkness that was trying to surround it. And when order starts coming out of chaos, there's confrontation with those things as well. And I'm going to tell you something as a Christian tonight. You cannot be a Christian, be kingdom, be in this without confrontation. This is not a, this is a full on, full contact event. And it is an event of who is going to, who is going to dictate the atmosphere over a region. Because here's what's going on. We, we have two atmospheres over our region in our mindset. We have an atmosphere of darkness, and we have an atmosphere of light, and we believe that there's a, a battle concerning two kingdoms, and there's only one kingdom, and everything is in that single kingdom. There's not a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. There is God's kingdom, but there is a war of darkness and a war of light going on inside the kingdom. Now, when does a move of God occur? When we decide 
There's only one atmosphere and not two anymore. Until we decide that there is one atmosphere, we're always entertaining the thought that there's another atmosphere that can dominate, and it's an atmosphere of darkness. But when we decide that we have an atmosphere of light, and darkness has to flee, and darkness cannot remain in light, and tonight we're singing all of these songs about coming out of the grave, and it was like grave, about three songs, the words had run like over and over and over, and you know what was going on inside my spirit? Well, of course, of course death is conquered because that's darkness and light has come. Light has come into that grave and pulled those people out. Light has come into your, your situation and pulled you out. But God didn't pull you out just to be like some little flickering flame. He pulled you out to be his flame, his fire, his light into the earth. So he said, he said, it, got, it says God said, and a frequency was released from heaven. And it was manifested into the earth. And something was created. Now, the more that you get of God's light, the more understanding you'll get of God's identity of who you are. Because when God speaks, something gets created. Something goes into motion. Something gets formed. Every time you open up this word and you get a revelation of a verse or the understanding of a few words in this, you just received light. And in that, in that verse that you just found light, you found part of your identity in the earth, part of your purpose, part of your destiny. We look at it, though, as promise, and God looks at it as a divine activity. Because you see, we're living too much in a selfish ambition of putting using the light for my own gain when God made you the light to bring his kingdom and his presence into the earth. So, I better find my path here, hadn't I? So the more light that you get, the more frequency that you're receiving, the greater your revelation, and eventually it starts to change your entire mindset. Now, if we look at just sunlight, because we all are enjoying that it's spring and summer coming, and we can't figure out if it's spring or summer yet, because everything seems a little crazy. So the sun comes, and it gives us vitamin D, doesn't it? Nah, wrong. It gets us, so the sun comes, and it brings light and you know what the light does? It absorbs into your skin, and it has the ability within it to take dormant minerals in your skin and create D3. You see, we, we skip a step. And we go, oh, I get sunlight, and I get vitamin D. No, there was a process that went on with the light. And the same process works in photosynthesis. I could actually say that word. I think I'll say it again. That was fun. Photosynthesis. And what does it do in photosynthesis? It takes sugars and it takes carbon dioxide and it takes different things in a plant 
and it converts it into an energy source that creates a plant into a food source that creates oxygen for us to breathe. Isn't it amazing that the same light, the same frequency from God has an effect no matter what it is? And it creates something that was lying dormant. From something dormant, something of value came. So now when you say, okay, here comes the light of God, what is the light of God doing? Taking what's dormant in you and making it effective in you. It makes something inside of you that was always there go into a metamorphous stage and suddenly something is valuable is added to your life. So here comes Christ as the light. Touches something dormant in your life and creates it to be something of value that you need. And what does vitamin D do for us? It's our organs, our liver, our kidneys, our bones. It's our structure. It touches almost everything in our body. That's how important it is to us. Here comes Jesus, the light, wants to touch everything in your body so it becomes effective for him on the earth. I find it amazing that it's so simple but yet it seems like it's distant to us. Psalms 97:11 says, "Light is sown for righteous and gladness for the upright in heart." Righteous is the radiation or the radiant of your light because your lamp of salvation, Isaiah 61 talks about it, your salvation lamp is burning and your robe of righteousness that you're wearing on the outside is radiating with the light of salvation that's inside of you. And so what does the world see? The world does not see the light in you per se of salvation, but they see the effect of light in your life through the robe of righteousness that's shining and glowing outwardly to people. Light is an amazing thing. And then when I look at what went on in all of, all of the creation story, and I look at like what happened to Moses, and I look at what happened to Egypt, because didn't Apostle Yuri just talk about Egypt and coming out of Egypt? And how did they come out of Egypt, by the way? Wasn't there something about pillar of fire and cloud by day, and they were being led with light? Am I right? Now, if I'm not right, you have to yell out heretic. Okay? Don't, don't take my word, read your Bible. Right? Absolutely. How were they led? They were led at night by a pillar of fire. Do you realize that it says that they, three, about three million people, the desert was illuminated so they could see their path? By God. But Egypt could not find them. Isn't it amazing how God does this? But then in the daytime, we had a cloud that was leading them. And the cloud is hiding that light in the daytime. And God started giving me a, a vision of that cloud. And this is what he said. He said, do you think that they could not see my light in the cloud? He said it was piercing through 
and they were recognizing and seeing that cloud is containing my light, my glory, my presence. And then God said this to me. He said, my light is so bright, I can't even hide it myself. You need to think about that. And they were led by God's light across that desert to promised land. They were led to a destination by light. So the throne of God is a place of revelation. It's a place of light. It's a place of illumination. And this light is peering and piercing out from the throne. And we start talking about portals and openings and open heavens. What is an open heaven? I had this question in our school this week. What is a portal? Portal is an opening that someone has, has stewarded and managed and interceded that opens something up like a doorway into the heavens. Like it, and it's kind of like this. It opens like this and like this because darkness is trying to close that portal of light. And then you contend, and what happens is it opens wider. Now it's not closing as far. Now it's opening wider. And now it's not closing as far. And now what happens is when you get it to a certain stage, you have an open heaven. And in that open heaven, things get poured down upon us. And it seems effortless to do things. And it's because what's happening is we're stewarding the light that's pushing back the darkness that's allowing us access into heavenly places and realms that we are, we've used to fight for, but now we're maintaining it because we have decided to also be that light in the earth, be that light in the second heavens, be that opening so God can work through us. And I've contended for these things in my region before I moved to our capital and, and shut down a, that transcendental meditation cult by maintaining a portal opening and the light had started coming. And I'm going to tell you something. The fire was coming off our building where people said we can't walk by it. They walked on the other side of the street to avoid it because they felt like they'd get singed. The light has come. You know what the Lord's been speaking to me all year? Your light has come. It's not coming. It has come. It's a past tense moment. It's just, we got to get caught up to a present tense reality that the light has come and we're not waiting. We are the light. You are that light that's setting in the earth to illuminate for everybody else. He said that we're raised up. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Do you know that you are seated in light? You are seated in light. Do you know what the word raised up means? It means to be in sync with. It means to be in joint union with. Here's the one I like. It means to be in joint origin with. We're in joint origin with light. The light of heaven. The illumination of heaven. Of heavenly things and all of these kinds of things that are setting there. John 1.7 says, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. And the word light is capitalized, meaning it's a surname. It's as if Jesus' surname was light. 
He came to bear witness of that light. So, now I want to get to the heart of this. The light that removes blindness. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6 says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, what ministry? As we have received mercy, we faint not, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And now he says, why is the gospel hid? What gospel is he talking about? Is he talking about the gospel of salvation, or is he talking about the gospel of the kingdom? And when you look at the text, it actually is talking about the gospel of the kingdom. We've taken the gospel of salvation everywhere. It's the gospel of the kingdom, which is a very different gospel. He says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He said that there's a way that that blindness gets off of people, and it is the light of Christ. So is that a meeting where something happens, or is that you, a people, living that? You can answer out loud if you want to get committed. It's you. You are the light of Christ in the earth. We're not waiting for him to come again and illuminate something. The illumination is already you. It's, it's setting upon you. It's not talking about salvation. It's talking about kingdom. It's talking about you bringing the fullness of God into the earth realm. So we go on. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. So Paul brings it back and he says, let me explain this to you. The power of Christ's light that's illuminating your life is equal to the same power of light coming out of darkness at creation. It has the same power to shift order out of chaos. It has the same power to sustain once it starts going into motion. To shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. So he says, this same light is setting in your heart. And it is to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. You see, light is always connected to glory. And there's varying de degrees of lights. We have lights here that can be dimmed to bright. We have sunlight that's brighter than the lights in this room. We have the light of God. Oh, I have to tell you a funny story, all right? We are in a meeting. I wasn't in the meeting. I knew it was going to be a strange meeting. I decided I didn't want to participate. Some of my Bible students went to the meeting, and they gave me a report about what they experienced. So they were in the meeting, and, and somebody was at the front, and he said, Oh, the light of God is in the room. Do you see it? And no one could see it but him. He was the only guy that could see it, and I think he was in his imagination or something. So... The pastor of the meeting said, well, let's shut the lights off. Maybe we'll see it. 
So they all shut the lights off and it's pitch black in the room and no one could see it. I'm going to tell you something. That was not the light of God. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? The light of God is so bright. It's brighter than the sun by a thousand times. In the spiritual realm, if we could see and peel off with our natural eyes and see with our spiritual eyes the illumination that we are carrying around with us. We sent some of our people to a metaphysics fair. You know what a metaphysics fair is? It's a new age fair. My people were walking around with this with this revelation of the light setting inside of them, and they were walking up to people at the fair, and like this woman, like, oh, oh, backs up, keeps backing up till she was clear against the wall, and this gal keeps coming at her, slowly talking, and what's happening is the darkness cannot comprehend the light. No one's saying anything. She doesn't have a flashlight on her face or anything, you know. She's just carrying the light of Christ. And they were walking, and they went through this metaphysics fair, and they said, I'm going to release, we're going to release the light of Christ as we walk. And they're walking, and there's hundreds of booths, and they're walking, and they're releasing the light of Christ down the hallway because they could feel all of this darkness and evil trying to oppress them. And when they got to the other end, they turned around, and they started walking back, and they said, wow, that's all cleared up now. And their spirit could sense the change that had occurred because they had released what they were carrying. Do you realize how far-reaching that effect starts to become in our everyday life of when we're out here in the world doing things and we're carrying the illumination of Christ, but if we aren't consciously aware of what we're carrying, then how do we release it? So Paul says, this was the same light as creation, This was the same light that accosted Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, living in darkness, and the light began to penetrate him. It's the same light that Jacob had. It was the same light that Paul, didn't Paul have some sort of a a blindness thing go on when he got accosted with the light of God? It like blinded him. It was so blind. Wasn't Moses' face shining and they had to like throw a veil over Moses' face when he came down? It was like he had been up where that light was so close and he was like being illuminated with God and the glory of God was resting on him and they're like, oh, we can't even look upon it. We need some of this, folks. We need this. There's a woman in Iowa In the 1800s, late 1800s, 1900s, and she ended up going into uh, Zion, Illinois, where Dowie was. Um, That would put it in the early 1900s. So she experienced what something that was called radiant glory, where she was baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in fire in the same moment. And she's, she's, her whole terminology changed, and she started saying things like this. Light illuminated this verse to me. Light led me to this pathway. Light spoke from me to this person, and their life was impacted with this or that. She was healed because she got that baptism of fire that we talk about, She got a baptism of light, 
and it baptized her. And we know what happens when light comes, darkness flees. You know what happens when light comes? People get healed. She got healed instantaneously of a disease that she carried her whole life from childhood. Nobody prayed for her. Nobody, just the light. The light came and began to penetrate and began to change what was dormant into something valuable to her, regenerating her physical body in a moment of time. And suddenly she came out of that. And then you know what they said? Her face shined with light. And people could hardly look upon her. And wherever she went, that light was glowing off of her. And that's what God's wanting to do with us as the church. We are struggling and struggling to be Christians. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Are you, are you really having a fun time with all of this? Or is there things that you're like, I'm striving today again. <laughs> I don't know if I got myself all together like I ought to. I do my analysis and my checklist and I need to pray more and I'm not reading my Bible more and I'm not doing the. And it's like we analyze ourselves. And you know how God's looking at it? It's very simple. Are you my light or are you not my light? And if you say you're my light, it's like this. Flip the switch. All you got to do is flip the switch. He's not looking for perfection. Flip the switch. He's not looking for some doctorate degree in theology. Flip the switch. He's looking for you to allow him to be illuminated through you. It's that simple. And it's effortless. And that same light that healed that woman of that disease is the same light that you're carrying. And if that light comes in contact with darkness, that darkness has to flee. That demon's going to go screaming. You see, it's so simple. So here's, here's what the devil's working at. He's not working to make good people bad. He's working to blind minds to not receive the light of Christ. Because the light of Christ is the answer to the entire thing. And here we are as the church with every kind of formula possible to try to be something. And all he said was, I just want you to be my light in the earth. That's all I want from you. Can you be my light? Which means you have to let the light penetrate your own darkness first. See, that's what it's, this is where it starts to get a little sticky. You have to allow it to shine in your own heart first. The word darkness comes from a root word, which means, it means disorder, but it means the ability to understand. Or when something has experienced darkness, it has stopped to discern. You see, and that darkness is pressing. Do you not see it everywhere? Oh, please don't watch any more news. You know, the light has to come into this darkness 
that's trying to stop people from understanding, even in the church. So in verse 4, he says, shine. Something has come to shine. In verse 6, he says it again. He commanded the light to shine out of that darkness. And then he says it has shined in our hearts. You know what the word shine means? It means to be clear. To be made clear, it means to cause to be seen. I've brought the light to cause to be seen out of that darkness to distinguish it. And it has shined. And the second thing where it says it has shined in your heart means that it has the ability to produce the light. So setting inside of your heart is the ability to produce it. You're carrying it, but it doesn't produce unless you release it. And I think the whole church is carrying light, but not shining with light. We think God's going to do some magic zapparoo wand on us. And now I'm going to finally shine. And you know what he says in Isaiah? Arise, shine, for your light has come. Past tense. Like, what are you waiting on? You don't have to wait. You have to make one decision. Arise. That's your flip the switch moment. That's when you say, what is in me is now going to be illuminated out of me, and I'm going to allow it to have an effect around me. Arise, shine. And then he says, the light, the act of illuminating something, the disclose by revelation, to bring something out of darkness into light, the, the cause of clarity is what it also means. So what's stopping us? We back up into 2 Corinthians 3. He refers to Moses in Egypt. He talks about a veil over their mind and a veil over their heart. And he likens the veil to the very same thing that because they have decided to have a veil over their mind, they have decided to have a veil over their heart. And they're not able unless the veil's taken away. And then he says, where's the veil taken away? In Christ. In the light, it takes the veil away. So you're setting in a community. I don't know, I'll say it like this. You're setting in a community that has a veiled mind and a veiled heart. And the only thing that's going to penetrate that is not some great theological premise. It's going to be the light of Christ that penetrates the darkness that's blinding men that they will not believe. It's like, will you be a light bearer? Will you be a light carrier? One of our prophetic artists drew a, a thing... It was a scepter that was illuminated with light. She saw it in a meeting. And she put it up on our screen. She, does, she draws something and every service puts it up on the overhead screens. And my six-year-old granddaughter, who's been going into realms and dialoguing with God, going through doorways, 
spoke to Michael, saw the battle in this hour of red-faced angels and the good angels, and the red-faced angels were sending arrows to shoot the people of God to try to get them into a doorway of darkness. Then she saw the good angels sending arrows, shooting the other, and they were pulling the arrows out of the Christians. And then the arrows turned to swords. The word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. John 1. Do you know what John 1 is all about? First 13 verses. Christ the light from the very beginning. She said to us, I mean, there was a, I mean, it was a whole long, I got the recording. It's unbelievable what she saw. Then she's sleeping in her home, in her bed, in another a week later, and God says to her, wakes her up and says, I put something under your pillow. Pick it up, you need it. She raises her pillow, and it's a scepter of light. And she said, I put it in my hand and I raised it. And then it went into my body and I could feel God inside of me. I'm telling you folks, better get it together or get ran over by what's coming. Oh, but she saw that, didn't she, in the meeting when it went on the screen. No, she saw it a week before it went on the screen. You see, we're trying, to get our, we're trying to get even our young kids to enter these realms and grab hold of these things. And who knows what she saw at the revealing thing. I haven't had a chance to talk to her. She probably had something because I could see her. She was dazed out at one point. I saw her again just dazed. So I know God was doing something inside her at six years old. She's becoming the light. She's determined to be that light in the midst of darkness at six years old. I better skip the stone a little bit, hadn't I? So here's what I want to probably kind of try to end with. How's that? <laughs> you laugh too. I do too. In John 8, 12, he says, Jesus, then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light that will produce out of what is dormant, something of great value, something that holds life, something that the world needs, something that everyone is looking for, life. And that's a Zoe life. That is a life, abundant life. That is an excelling life. That is life beyond our imagination with no limitation. Then in Matthew 5.14, he says this, you are the light of the world. 
He changes it and he says, it's not just me, it's you. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now this light comes with an assignment. And I did a little survey poll with a group of leaders here just a while back. And I said to them this, how many of you came into the ministry with a Luke 4.18 or an Isaiah 61 mandate? You know what Luke 4.18 is. Open the eyes of the blind, set the captives free. How many of you in this room, probably you have that as a calling on your life or something that you are believing for? Do you realize that that is a commonality among almost every leader? that has a ministry, is in ministry. They have a Luke 4.18. God gives them that verse. And you know what's in that verse? To open the eyes of the blind. You know what he's saying in kind of secret code? Be the light. He isn't talking about healing eyes. Necessarily, he is. He's talking about the blindness off people's minds that they would believe be the light. Be the illumination of Christ. Be the life-giving light of Christ. We come back to this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 again. Commanded the light to shine out of darkness. It kind of goes like this. The light of the knowledge of God. Meaning the activity of that light. He says the knowledge of the glory. The revelation of that light. He says the glory of God, the presence of that light. And here's what I think is very strange. Is that I'm closing. Here's what I, here's what I think. We're waiting for the glory to come and it's already here in us. It's already here. We're waiting for a cloud to appear that we might believe. That's pretty honest, isn't it? We're waiting for something that's already resident inside of me. We're waiting for a manifestation. We're waiting for a certain moment. We're waiting for a certain meeting. And what we're doing is we're putting, we're putting off being the light... Because we're not convinced we're the light. You know what I said to the people? that I had one person that was wanting to go to the metaphysics fair. And, I, and here's what I said to everybody. I said, you know why you don't want to go? Because you're not convinced you're the light. You know why you don't want to witness to somebody? You're not convinced you're the light. You know why you don't want to go to dark places? You're not convinced you're the light. You know why you won't go into a bar and witness to people and bring the light? You're convinced the darkness will overpower you. It's like we, we've got a complex going on in the church. We're supposed to go into the dark places and like flip the table. But we think the boogeyman's going to get me. <laughs> we think we're going to get some sort of cooties or something. Is cootie still a word today, or is that like dated me all of a sudden? 
oh yeah, please don't get me started. <laughs> but you hear it, I'm, you hear my heart tonight? I've been, I went into some really dark things. I went into a cult to infiltrate it to take it over. I went into a meeting where they, I knew they were looking for a leader, and I said, okay, God, if I can infiltrate this, I'll become their leader. I did, and I went into, a, into this cult, and we're sitting around, we're staring at a candle, there's 20 or 30 of us on the floor, and everybody's sitting in lotus position, but me, we're sitting, staring at this candle, and someone astral projects out of the room, and comes down the sidewalk, walking, and walks back into the room, and I'm slowly infiltrating it, and then the guy that had came down to kind of supervise the meeting decided, hmm, we better watch this guy. And then they kind of, I volunteered. I volunteered myself to lead the next meeting. I'll lead the next meeting. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> be the light. What is there to be afraid of? There's nothing to be afraid of. Be who he says you are. Because there's people's minds that need an illumination. And maybe even your mind needs illumination. Let the light of this glorious gospel, this life of Christ, begin to shine into your mind tonight. Begin to allow light to unveil the cloud that's over you. Of understanding. You see, if you have a problem understanding this word, that means there's some darkness that needs some light illuminating it. There's nothing wrong with it. What's wrong with it is if you come out, go out of this place and you don't allow him to illuminate it. And you carry it around and you carry that darkness. If there's something in your heart, allow him to illuminate what's in your heart with his light. And allow him to expose that so that veil can be taken away and the light begin to flood in and he begins to make you who you are in the earth. So when I shamed everybody and saying, you don't think you have enough light, they were forced to make a decision. Do I have the light or do I not have the light? And a whole bunch of people decided, I have the light. And we went from one person wanting to go to a whole bunch of people wanting to go to forming a lighthouse outreach group that now goes every week someplace because they've decided they're the light and wherever they go, everything has to submit to them. And we're doing drive-through prayer in our parking lot again. And people are like, and they're like, we're out here as the light in front of everybody. 38,000 cars are going by every day and we're waving because we're the light and people are stopping and they're like saying, I stopped for prayer last year and you prayed and everything happened in my family and everything changed and I'm in a church and can I come here and pray too with you? Can you come to my church and teach us how to do drive through prayer? It's very simple. You just set a sign up and let them stop. But you have to flip your switch and rise and go to the parking lot. You see what it is? It's, it's, it's the simple action. You see, I'm not, see, you should relax. I'm not telling you we're going to fast for the next 40 days. All I'm saying is just rise up 
in the illumination you have and take it to somebody. And you know what happens when you give light away? God gives you more light. Do you know why I love giving revelation away? Because then God's obligated to give me more. You see? You'll never outgive him. You'll never outgive this light. This light will just keep coming. And you know what happens eventually? You get so illuminated that darkness just flees from you. You walk into a room. What was that that, you know, Finney got on a train and everybody's crying out in repentance because he got on. You know why? Because light came into the place where all this darkness was. And darkness is suddenly confronted with light. And he's not doing anything. He just showed up carrying it. Because you see, light is his presence. Light is Christ. Light is his life. Light is his glory. And we're wanting like level, level seven glory. And if we are really honest, we're probably on level two glory. <laughs> we need a little more illumination and a little more revelation and a little more rising, a little more yielding, a little more doing, a little more shining. You know what happens if we all started doing that outside of here? Because we're not supposed to come in here and like let our light shine for each other. Our light's supposed to shine into the world. What happens when we do that outside of here and we come in here carrying that? We start raising the water level of the glory of God setting in the room because the illumination we began to walk in. And we start to move from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And next thing you know, presence of God is dwelling amongst us in a way we've never experienced. And we're waiting for an event and God's waiting for us to go into process. He's waiting for us to have our burning bush and turn aside and see something. He's waiting for us to come up a mountain and encounter him. He's waiting for us to be changed and illuminated and start carrying it. So I have a lot of fun. My first mission trip, I'm doing my second closing now. It's my Bible. That'll probably be the final closing. My first missions trip into Nigeria, they killed 17 people and beheaded them, put them in the king's casket because an apostle was coming into the region. My second trip, they killed 10 people in front of me, 50 feet from me, and beheaded them. My first trip, we went to a place, an intersection, where there was a death every week because the witches had cursed that intersection and said they owned it. And I took the pastors of that region, 350 pastors, to that intersection, and I stood in the middle, and I broke that curse off. That city had a witch tree that was hundreds of years old, they believed, that was containing power. And my first trip, I said, we're going to go cut that tree down in the middle of the night. The pastors wouldn't do it. They didn't have enough light. They were scared to death of the darkness. My second trip, I was confronting witches in the meeting. 
casting demons out of witches. And they were getting saved and healed and delivered and free. And then we started confronting the pastors who were carrying witchcraft to do miracles in their churches. We started cleaning house with things. And you know why I could do that? Not because I had great faith, but because I knew that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The light that I have is greater than any darkness that can come at me. My training trip, we went into the northern part of Ivory Coast. We went into a city of 50,000 people with three Christians. And that pastor had fought so much demonic things, I won't even tell you what was going on in that place. It was unbelievable. And in that place, we confronted 30 to 40 witches every night. And saw those witches give way to the light of God. We had the only light in the entire city. The power went out. And the only light was our large tent. It saved 3,000 people. 3,000 people came every night to that tent because of the natural light. But because of the light of God. We averaged about 125 people saved every night in that tent. There was a witchcraft village in Nigeria that had 400 witches. And they were training witches to go into other villages. And I said to God, I've got to plant a school in that village to confront that witchcraft. So I asked God, I said, I need a man of great faith. And he sent a man to me. And he said, I hear you want to plant a school and I want to lead that school in that village. I said, I need somebody of great faith that's not afraid of the darkness. And he said, well, I said, what, how are you qualified? He said, well, I go out into the bush every night. For five years, I've walked in the bush with the snakes and the tigers to increase my faith and to believe God that he would protect me. I think he understood that he had the light. I said, I think you're the guy I need. So we dropped him in that village. He cleaned that place out in less than six months. Because they all decided they were going to be the light that went with him into that place. And this is how the gospel gets advanced. This is how the gospel of the kingdom grows. Because there's a demonstration of light. Because somebody realizes what they have. And they said, this thing that I'm carrying is greater than anything I could ever face. And here in America, we are not faced with these things. Or so we think. These things do exist in America. They're just hidden more. You know why they're hidden? There's no light confronting. As the light's coming into our meetings, I've warned my people, better get ready, because the demons are going to start screaming. Demonized people are going to come because they know they can be set free. The light's going to start drawing them, even though they're in darkness. The light's going to start confronting them, 
even though they're held by it. In times past, we've had people demonized come in and they're, I mean, it's, it's crazy what happens. We do deliverance and see them free. I'm telling you, there's nothing to be afraid of, folks. Nothing. So I'll say this about the region. This region will give way in the next 30 days if you decide that you're the light and there's only one atmosphere and it is light. If you keep thinking that there's darkness, you're going to be caught in believing something that's not necessarily true. The darkness will have to give way to the light. It will have to give way. I know you're wondering, what do we got to do? What do we have to, what do we got to battle? What's this magic thing that unlocks? I'm going to tell you, it's very simple. If one kingdom, there is light has come. I'm rising in that light. I'll be that light and that light will confront the darkness. You are not confronting the darkness. The light in you is confronting the darkness. Christ in you is confronting it. Christ in you is going to engage into, into this that's going to lift a veil off of people. I know the region's veiled. I know. This is what, my fourth, fifth trip here? I understand. I'm starting to grab hold of some stuff here. I am a little educated. <laughs> you don't think I prayed about God, what can I possibly say to these people? You think I don't feel your struggle here? And my heart's connected to all of you? And I asked God, what should I say? He said, tell them about the light. I'm like, I don't want to. I want some nice, you know, fancy deal. He's like, no, tell them about it. Because it's the answer. I put it in play in my people, and I'm seeing it played out in my people, and I'm telling you, they went through a metamorphosis. They went through a change because of it. And this thing, this thing will give way. It will give way. Because here's, here's what I want to, I want to say this, I'm going to end tonight. When he called the light, he called it out of the darkness. The light is already present in the darkness you face. It's waiting for someone to call it out. It's waiting for that voice. It's waiting for that rise up, shine. It's that simple. So let's pray something tonight. So Father, here we are. And God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would break this open to everyone here. Let me give you permission 
to lift the veils off our mind and our hearts that the light could begin to illuminate into us first and that we would see ourselves as light into a region, into communities, cities, villages, houses, I just have a strong sense this moment that in the spiritual realm, God is doing something across this land, this area of Ohio. That there would be a, a stronger and stronger and stronger lifting of the veil, a pushing back with the light of God. And Father, we speak to that blindness. You will give way. You will give way to the light. And the light will begin to illuminate every heart. I speak to minds that are blinded. The light has come. Religion will step aside. Freedom will prevail. Liberty will be seen and felt because the light has come. I'm just hearing the word set aside time and a set aside moment. I feel like this weekend is a set-aside time and a set-aside moment to release a future. I see the word longevity. I see the word sustained in my spirit. I see the word accosting the accosting of the Spirit of God. So, Father, we step in and we say there is only one atmosphere over this region, and it is yours, and it is the light. There's only one stronghold, and it's you. There's only one structure that will remain, and it's yours. Father, we just, we say we are here. Use us. We determine to rise and flip the switch in our lives. My eyes are closed. And I'm seeing your faces in this room. And I'm seeing God beginning to illuminate many of you in this room. I 
And I'm seeing a great joy coming. Because you're beginning to see the results that you prayed and longed for for so long. And I hear the Lord say, put hopelessness aside, for the light has come. Put depression aside, because the light has come. Put unbelief aside, because the light has come. Put doubt aside, because the light has come. Put the buts and the what ifs aside, because the light has come. And then I see something for the next generation, the ones emerging, our children. And I see like, even like my granddaughter, the passing of that scepter of light to another generation coming. To sustain the light that you will place into the atmosphere and into the natural and into people's hearts and families of this region. I see another generation now beginning to pick up a torch and run. Father, I just say, God, my prayer for this group this weekend is a baptism in light, a submersion in it. A dying of light. So, Father, would you set our hearts ablaze? with you and only you. Would you set our hearts ablaze, God, with the things that you have concern about? Would you touch the cold to our lips? And would you send us like your son was sent into the world to be that light and that life would you send us, God? So, Father, I just bless your people tonight. Bless God, what they carry and how valuable it is to you. And God, I just say the darkness is going to flee. It's going to, it's going to get up and run. So, Father, I just thank you for this moment of time this weekend. That you would do something in us 
that is preparing us for the future that's just about upon us. Ask, ask the Lord in this moment for an assignment of someone you need to go show light to. Someone that you know really needs the light to come. If the Holy Spirit's showing you someone, then make a commitment and say, God, I'm going to rise and go. And see what he'll do. So, Father, I just thank you for that tonight. We just bless you, Lord. We thank you. 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 Thank you, Father, that you sent light to us, that we could be light to others. I just bless you, Father. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. So how many people got an assignment? I'm going to put you on the spot. Got an assignment. Wow, that's a lot of expectation. That'll be great. Just go show the light, folks. Thank you, Greg. Hallelujah. Got a song on your heart, Scott? As we sing, I just feel like some of us have some areas of our hearts and minds that we know have been in the shadows that we need to submit to the light. And I just want to invite every one of us that have been touched in some area that you know that you need to bring to the light to just come to the altar as we sing and submit it to the Lord. And let's commit our lives to living in the light and being the light that Jesus already said we are. I just got a picture of us taking the bushels off. Jesus said, you don't hide light under a bushel. Light is never afraid of darkness because light always overcomes dark. You know, you know, you know what else I was thinking? There's really no such thing as darkness. There's only the absence of light. Darkness isn't even a substance. It's only the absence of light. That's why, that's why darkness never overcomes light. Because all the light's got to do is shine. And darkness is dispelled. That's why this message is so important.